Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, I have David Hehenberger from Shopping Cart Labs, where we're going to talk about e-commerce SEO and some best practices and tips that you can apply to your own online store. And so David was previously the in-house SEO guy for Modern Cat Designs, which was from episode four. So if you haven't checked that episode out yet, I'll link it in the show notes. And before we start, some news and updates about the show. I spoke to a group of about 40 people here in San Diego last week about e-commerce, uh, a bunch of people that are just excited to get started and we're thinking about starting an online store but just didn't really know how to get started and where to go and so uh, i talked about everything from platforms product sourcing marketing and even just finding an idea and it was a lot of fun uh, we went on for almost two hours jam-packed information and so i'll be posting up the replay soon but I'll, it'll only be available to those on the vip email list so if you haven't signed up now is a good time to join at buildmyonlinestore.com and so i also got a new video on the about page of the website check it out and let me know what you think uh, i finally got over the fear of being camera shy and i'll be publishing a video blog starting every friday or so so uh, you can check that out at buildmyonlinestore.com uh, the about page or you can go to youtube.com uh, slash build my online store and so this episode is also brought to you by audible uh, so who has the time to read books these days i mean i'm always walking around on the subway traveling so there's too many distractions and interruptions for me to focus so that's why i like to use audiobooks and podcasts to learn information now uh, so if you want to check out audible uh, you can go to buildmyonlinestore.com slash audible to get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial and yes i do get a small commission when you sign up uh, when you try for 30 days uh, so if you like to support the show uh, do check it out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash audible and with that being said let's get into this week's episode All right, today I have David Hegenberger from Shopping Cart Labs, where we're going to talk about e-commerce SEO. What's going on, David? Hey, how are you doing? Hey, so uh, today we're here to talk about SEO and e-commerce. And so I believe uh, you've been doing SEO for Dan for a while. And so we're trying to get your experience to see how it works as from the inside. And you were actually in-house. You were not an ex external contracted SEO company. So I think that's a real different angle that you can provide some value to the audience on. So uh, without further ado, why don't you give us a quick background on yourself and how did you get into the whole SEO world? Sure. So I got started with internet marketing and SEO about three years ago. I started out building a couple of niche sites and eventually I ended up uh, getting one of Dan Andrews's Tropical MBA internships. So I ended up being a, like at a resort in the Philippines doing like marketing, building websites, doing a little bit of SEO for them. And from there I kind of moved on to uh, work for Dan directly, which first started out as mostly doing work on like his social media blogs and brands, you know, like working on the websites and all kinds of stuff that was related to that. Um, initially, like setting up the dynamite circle with him. And then eventually I ended up moving on doing in-house SEO for Dan's e-commerce site. 
I see. And they have a couple e-commerce sites, right? How many sites did you work on? Um, I think five. So, so yeah, the, there's a bunch of different niches and a bunch of different sites. And then we also had like dozens of feeder sites. So I see. But let's, before before we get into that, so most of these sites were uh, physical products, or they drop ship models, or kind of what was the distribution? So most of the all of the sites are physical products, and most of them were products that Dan and Ian designed themselves and manufactured in China and then sold in the state, like uh, the Modern Cat Designs brand that was featured on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yes, which is episode um, four for everyone who hasn't listened to it yet. You should guys should go check it out. It's a very cool story too. Right. There was also one brand that we were dropshipping and for whatever reason, that was like the brand that didn't, I mean, it, it was it was like, okay, but it didn't take off. Not nearly as good as the other um, self-manufactured brands. So that's why then I think he mentioned on your podcast too that he's like a big believer in you know, designing your own products. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so uh, the reason I got you on the show is because a lot of e-commerce store owners, they, they have some problems grasping the big picture concepts. And the other problem is they can't find who to trust in terms of SEO provider. And also the third one is probably they don't know where to start in creating SEO strategy. So today uh, we're just going to go through these concepts and kind of go through those. And just a few things, since we are recording this in 2012, I want to make sure everything we talk about, you know, if someone's listening to it a year later, it'll still be kind of evergreen content. So we won't go into too many details, but uh, where it's applicable, we'll touch into that. Okay. So uh, let's just go ahead and talk about some big picture concepts now. I'm going to assume everyone knows a little bit about SEO. You know your on-site stuff. You know what H1 tags are. You know you know what all tags are. None of this will confuse you. So uh, let's just talk about uh, SEO versus pay-per-click. And when you were doing this for Dan, uh, kind of what was your view on both of these methods of getting traffic? Okay. So we were utilizing both SEO and pay-per-click. And... Well, the reason is when you look, when you, when you type in any Google search, search at this point, there's so many ads there. So even if you rank number one, you will still benefit from having those pay-per-click ads. Uh, there, there were a couple of posts that recently uh, were very prominent in the SEO blogosphere where how if you currently search on Google on your iPhone in uh, landscape mode, everything above the fold is AdWords ads. There's not a single organic search result above the fold on the iPhone right now. So you really, you really want both. Huh. In, in long term, which one have you found to work better, if there even is one that works better? Um, I, really, I would really say that they go both hand in hand. Obviously, if you increase your rankings and start to rank number one for your keywords, you might be able to spend less money on AdWords. Yeah, but I would say both of them are important and go hand in hand. The one thing is that SEO usually has like a better long-term ROI. So for example, you could be implementing like SEO for like six months and then still like do a little bit. You should never really stop doing SEO, but uh, uh, you could still benefit from work that you did this month in a year from now. Well, obviously with AdWords is once you spend your marketing uh, dollars on the actual gig, it's going to be gone next month. I see. And it also ties into your product margins too, right? If your product margins can support AdWords, it makes sense to do that too. But if your margins are a little lower, maybe SEO would be a better investment. Would you, would you agree with that? Or? Yeah, I, th- I think it really depends on your, 
product and your margins. Like you said, if you sell products for $10, it's probably going to be very hard to be profitable on AdWords. Uh, one thing that's cool about AdWords is that Google is releasing a lot of new um, features for AdWords ads. So you might have seen in the SERPs AdWords ads with um, like a phone number on there where you can like call directly or uh, you might have seen like live chat or email opt-in boxes in AdWords ads. So, so Google is really innovating and um, those things could like give you an edge because most people are not implementing that. And the other interesting thing about AdWords is some of you probably know that Google just like changed their product uh, shopping search from free to paid. So that's another place where you should really try to show up with your product listings. I see. And so Google has a, I guess you could say they have an incentive to make pay-per-click better because they make, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how their stock price will go up, right? Basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and one other thing about, I guess SEO is you're, no matter what you do, you're really at the mercy of their algorithms too, right? Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah, so there were a couple of very popular SEO strategies that worked really well in like late 2011, early to earlier this year. And then Google rolled out this big Penguin update back in April. And a lot of people had their rankings completely destroyed. So you really can be at the mercy of those updates. And even most people who got hit by that update did some shady stuff. But uh, this, it seems that like with every update, there's like, you know, some people who really did not do anything shady and still were hit. You, you can do like everything right. And it, um, there's like a small chance that, you know, something could really uh, yeah. so, hurt you. you. So you're kind at Google's mercy. Yeah. Okay. So, so since we're talking about shady stuff, if anyone's looking for an e-commerce provider, I mean, SEO provider, and what are some shady things they should be look out for as red flags if their provider is doing this? Yeah, so in my opinion, doing whitehead SEO, like sticking to Google's webmaster guidelines uh, makes a lot of sense for most businesses. But that being said, I don't, I don't have any moral issues with you know, people doing like grayhead SEO and buying links and stuff like that. I think uh, everyone should look at it from like a business perspective. And the one thing about grayhead SEO is that it's, um, you're just more likely that you will be penalized or that Google will hurt you with some algorithm update. So that's why I would personally stay away from it. However, if you really know what you're doing um, and if you are aware of the risks involved and you still want to do it, um, go ahead. Like, I don't think you're a bad person for, a bad person for doing that. So, but but shady, things, shady things in general are like related to spamming, um, creating properties for the sole purpose of getting links from like blog networks, buying links. So that would be like going to bloggers and writing them emails and telling them, oh, can you write a, I'm going to give you $100 if you put a link to my site somewhere. Th those kind of things. Uh, you should stay away from that. I see. And so what about um, places like, uh, what was that, Squidoo, e Easy Articles, are those still, uh, is that considered gray hat or white hat? Uh, <laughs> Because it's kind of hard to it, say, right? I think it's hard to say. I'm not a big fan of them anymore because basically a place like Easy Articles as we do uh, is a place where anybody can go and post really low quality content and get a backlink in return. So obviously, I think Google is not going to value that very highly. So I would, I think, you know, it might make sense. It might make sense to get like one. Squidoo lens and one easy article and one article base article for your uh, 
e-commerce website, but you, you don't want to spend too much time and energy on those things. I don't think if you do the do it correctly that you're going to get like a penalty. Um, if you if you're like smart about it, I don't think it's it's like very risky. But I'm not sure if it's in my opinion, it's not the best option. to like better things. Yeah, and because I mean they are legitimate sites. It's just the quality of links that come from them has been been downgraded. Right. Exactly. Like I see it constantly being downgraded. Exactly. So. Yeah, interesting. All right. Yeah, and, and for those who don't know, just check out Squidoo. They're basically sites where you post your own articles. So like, it's like WikiHow, how to create, you know, a calendar, and then you can write an article. You get a link on the bottom that says about the author, and that's the link that we're talking about here. So, yeah. Okay. And so just a quick tip here, uh, business owners, if you're on Twitter, you should follow at Matt Cuts. Uh, he is the head of web spam at Google. So a lot of the times uh, when I follow him, he kind of hints of what Google's going to hit. I don't know if you follow him, David, but it's actually pretty cool. I, yeah, I do follow him. Yeah, so he, what he'll do is he'll post stuff of people that complain, and then he'll say, "This is why we hit them with a with a penalty." And you can kind of see the mentality of how Google will change their view on SEO. So, okay, so let's move on to the next thing. So, if we're going to create an SEO strategy, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward in terms of white hat, what are the what would you advise now? So. Well, the first thing that you gotta do right is your keyword research. If you if you target the wrong keywords and if, if your strategy is not right, uh, all the other things that I'm going to talk about are not going to help you that much. And keyword research is one of those things that just takes like a little bit of practice, and there are probably some good articles on that online. There's like this SEO must beginners guide that probably uh, also talks about that. Obviously, what you wanna find is you wanna find keywords that are relatively low competition while at the same time still have significant amount of searches. You don't want to build your business around a keyword that gets 10 searches a month or something like that. So there's kind of like this balance that you're trying to find between like competition and volume. And there's like no, there's no perfect key- keyword out there, but uh, there are a couple of tools that can help you find those. So I guess Market Samurai is a relatively popular tool for keyword research with internet marketers and people who are starting out. I'm personally not the biggest fan. I used to use it like a year or two ago. It, it's really slow. Um, so I, I use the actual Google AdWords keyword tool. So that's the that's a official Google tool. And you can just type in your keywords. And basically what I do when I do keyword research, I basically you can export the keywords. So you like you, you can check there's like a checkbox and you can check mark all of the keywords that are like interesting to you or that you think you want to target. And then you can like export it into, into a spreadsheet. That's like a good starting point. So that's what I do. So, but what Google AdWords will not give you is the competition. So what you want to use to analyze competition? I mean, there's a couple of tools. I personally am a big fan of SERP IQ. So that's like S-E-R-P-I-Q.com. And they have a free account where you get like, you can analyze a couple of uh, keywords per day. So, so those are the tools that I would recommend for keyword research. Uh, for, if we're looking at um, keyword research, what are the key metrics we should be looking for in terms of gauging uh, how competitive okay. a keyword is? So you want to look at how well is that, act- how, how well is the site that is currently ranking optimized for the keyword? So it's like the onset SEO. Does it have its keyword in the title deck, H1? Does the keyword appear in the content? On the site somewhere and then the other thing is the authority so that could be like a page rank or you could use um seo must matrix metrics like must rank uh, or page authority mm-hmm. 
So those are basically the two sides of the coin, like on-site optimization and authority. I see. And it's all a relative game too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we're doing keyword research for AdWords, there's the cost per click in keyword research too, right? But the Google tool doesn't tell you that. Uh, so Google tells you the cost per click when you use its uh, Google AdWords tool. Oh, okay. And how is that different from the Market Samurai one? I'm, I'm actually not too sure on that. So I think basically what Market Samurai, besides being a bit slower, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess Market Samurai uh, takes the data from the Google tool and makes it a bit more uh, easier to digest for beginners. All right. So, uh, so we got our keywords now and you know, we've come up with, say, a list of 10 words. And you know, what, what do we do next? So, so that really depends on your site and what kind of products you're selling. But uh, what would be like an optimal solution is if you have like a couple of, you, or you have like one head tail keyword. So a head tail could be, say, engagement rings. That could be like your head tail keyword. And then since you have like multiple, multiple products, multiple different kinds of engagement rings, you can like rank all those different product variations for different long tail keywords. So basically that's like about site architecture. What you would want is you would want to target your main keyword with your homepage, which would be engagement rings. And then you would have subcategories, say one category could be sapphire engagement rings, the other one could be diamond engagement rings, the next one could be ruby engagement rings. Again, have sub subcategories there. For example, you could have golden diamond engagement rings, silver diamond engagement rings, platinum diamond engagement rings. So basically what that does is it allows you to target those long tail keywords. So a long tail keyword is a keyword that you know, maybe has like three or four or five words in it. And it has a relatively low amount of monthly searches. But that also means that usually there are very few people who target those keywords and conversion rates tend to be higher too. I see. So let me just put the modern cat designs example in here. So uh, they have a couple of products. One's called large litter box hider, litter box hider. So these are actually chosen for SEO purposes. Is that right? Right. I see. Okay. Because I, I always wondered why is the name so generic? And so by using the... <laughs> <laughs> generic product name, that's how you get people when they search into it to land on the page, right? Right. And you can still give your product like a, like a real name. So so here we have on Modern Cat Designs, there's this one product called the Mox Litter Tower. Litter Tower is our keyword and well, Mox is like the, the brand, the, the branding of the oh. product. So if you're selling product, you should actually use the generic keyword in your SEO, but then add your own brand twist to it. Yeah, if, if possible. Unless you think it's going to hurt your conversion rate or it's going to sound really lame. But I didn't notice that until I looked at the modern design web, cat design website, and I'm like, oh, wow, these terms are actually SEO optimized, the product names. <laughs> <laughs> so did they, always, did they always know they were going to do this? Or did you like, guys like change this once you were in there? No, no, that, that was already in place oh, when I, I see, started. I this, is, this is a genius SEO. tip for anyone that's starting out. <laughs> and so you actually have to make sure your categories are sorted correctly too, right? I so, see. I mean, that really depends on your products, right? If you have a single SKU e-commerce site, obviously that doesn't apply to you. But uh, if you have like a lot of product variations, you should really try to um, to target long tail keywords with each category page. I see. So, so let's go back to the engagement ring example. If I have engagement rings and I have, say, mm -hmm. engagement rings by a certain company, would I put engagement rings in the category first and then put the company's name on there or would I just put it all together? Would it, is there a difference? So you mean you would have like Tiffany engagement rings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I have like Tiffany and like another brand, I don't know, like 
I don't even know what another brand yeah, is. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're not getting married anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what, what I what I want to make like categories slash engagement rings slash Tiffany engagement rings, or should I just do like engagement rings? And would, would it make sense to double it up in my URL? I think it would make sense, but it seems that as Google's algorithm is evolving, that actual keywords in the URL are becoming a little bit less important than they used to. You especially get that with exact match domains, they are not as important anymore as they were like two or three years ago. Um, but yeah, so what I, what I would suggest is that you have like your engagementringsite.com slash Tiffany dash engagement dash rings, if that is what you want to target. I see, yeah. And yeah, this worked really well for another business I interviewed. I don't know if you heard episode six. So basically they sell like ceiling fans and they have specific product numbers and they named each product off that direct number, which is like PQ125 something, something, something by this company. Uh-huh. And so whenever people searched, they would basically pop up because they use the exact product number that people jot down when they go to the store, so. Right. Yeah, interesting. All right, and so is there still a, a over-optimization penalty now with Google? Um, well, so the over-optimization penalty, which was Penguin, like the number one thing Penguin did is like it looked at anchor text profiles and sites that had a too optimized anchor text profile, like having more than 50% or whatever um, keywords as anchor text instead of having like a natural anchor text got penalized. I see, so, so just to make sure everyone understands, so uh, anchor text is like the link that if it says click here and here is highlighted, that's the anchor text, right? And right. if it was say modern cat design, it was like litter box, but litter box was the link, that's what people were getting penalized for, right? Exactly. I see, okay. And, and so what's the kind of optimal rate you want to have now, if there is one? I'm certainly not over 50, but what would be the percentage you would advise? Make your anchor text as like natural as possible. I would aim for not more than 10% of actual keyword anchor text. Again, if your site is moderncatdesigns.com, you want to build links that actually say moderncatdesigns.com, which is like your branded anchor text instead of uh, saying modern cat furniture or cat condo. Yeah, and I think the method to gauge is just that, is this how you would share something with your friends, right? Would you say click here exactly. or like you have to optimize for a for, exactly. forward keyword? Exactly, paste the URL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. so, yeah, so I think, I think that's the gauge I would advise, but I guess it makes sense too. So. Right, so um, back to your, you know, 80, 20, your question of like 80, 20 approach to e-commerce SEO. So the other thing is like onto the SEO and a lot of people who listen to that might already have that in place, but um, I've seen a lot of e-commerce sites who don't have the basics in place, which is like title tags, keyword in your title tag, keyword in your H1, making sure to name your images accordingly. So instead of having some weird image name, you want your keyword in the image file name and you want uh, an image alt tag that says the And why are alt tags important? So. Well, what alt tags actually do is if your image doesn't load for whatever reason, um, it displays the text instead of the image. Or if you're like blind, that's what like your program would read to you. But basically, Google uses the image alt tag to well, just category, categorize the image. So that could also help you show up in Google image search. And I think it's Google can't read images, right? They don't have eyes. They're just a program that reads text and numbers. So that, that's also why alt tags are important too, right? Right. Yeah, okay, I see. And, and so this is different from the title of the image too, just to be clear, because there's when you upload a picture into your e-commerce site, there's a way you can name the photo, and there's also an alt section, I believe, that 
you know, where you can enter right. this. So I think that's probably where some people get confused. And uh, see, where, where do we find H1 tags usually then? Oh, so H1 would usually be the product name on most e-commerce platforms. So again, it makes sense to have your keyword in there if it doesn't look too spammy. Yeah, I see. and one thing, it's a mistake I used to do is before I knew what H1, H2 tags are, I would just bold my text and make it bigger because <laughs> because each because this is before when i was before i knew websites so what, what i did was i would just bold make it like size 20 and like oh okay that looks good i'll make all of them you know size 20 and, and then i found out oh h1 header actually formats all of them <laughs> and then there's seo juice in there too because i haven't done websites for a long time and then recently <laughs> I was like, oh god i've been so dumb <laughs> right. so if anyone else does that don't do that go to your highlight the text and then there's a heading paragraph you choose heading one heading two <laughs> heading three yeah, that's what we're talking about here so don't yeah or i guess most e-commerce platforms like shopify or if you use wordpress or magento it's probably already being taken care of by the platform yeah and if not you should also check to see if it is but but if just just in case it's not how can we check it again i would suggest the tool subiq.com they have um, a on-page optimization checker you can like paste your keyword and your url in there and it's going to give you like a score on a scale from uh, zero to 100 percent how well your site is optimized for that keyword how well your page is optimized for that keyword oh and it'll tell you where your gaps are and all that too huh oh i see yeah so, so it's going to tell you your keyword does not appear in your text or you should have an image on there or you don't use your keyword in your h1 or your title tag etc i see so i see it's a paid product but i guess you could always try it and then cancel and then <laughs> so uh, i think there's like a free account they might have changed the pricing but as far as i know there's a free account where you can where you have like limited access but uh, you should be able to to do that on the free account. I don't think you have to sign up for the paid account. I see. Okay. All right. All right. So let's go back to the whole SEO strategy. So we talked about a little bit about link building. Uh, we talked about your on-site optimization. Uh, what about some off-site link building strategies? One thing that would be like a great starting point for your link building campaign is to look at your top 10 competitors. So the first 10 results for your keyword and just like look at the kind of backlinks they have and maybe put them in a spreadsheet. And then just like see if you can get like backlinks from the same sources. You can use a tool called Open Site Explorer. That's from SEOmas, and it's like again, it's like limited. I think you can like check out three backlink profiles a day. The other tool that you can use is actually Market Samurai. So that's like the one thing that I that I still use Market Samurai for. Uh, that Market Samurai is still good for is when you when you're in the competition analysis view in Market Samurai, you get like the top ten results for the keyword. Um, there's like an arrow and you can click on and then you can see the backlink profile of all those sites and you can actually export that into a spreadsheet. Nice. And I think they rank it by page rank too, right? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so basically the idea is you kind of look at your competitors' backlinks and then if they're like a blog, you try to get like a guest post or... Right, exactly. If it's like a forum, you post there too, which but forums, I think, forum links, I think are really weak, so... Right. But, but since we're talking about that, uh, what, what are, what's kind of like the... I guess relative link weighting in terms of where you should get your best backlinks from because not every link is created equal, right? So where where should we target first in terms of kind of getting links for your site? Well, if there are like any education or super high authority resources where you could get a link from, obviously you want to go for that. But other than that, I mean, blogs are pretty solid 
I think you you would probably find a couple of blogs um, where your competitors have links from. So that's like a good starting point. And you know, if they're like, if if they did like some blog comment um, uh, link building and some forum link building, you know, you you might want to do that too. It's not it's not going to like add that much value. You know, a couple of a couple of forum links, a couple of blog comment links are not going to add that much value. But uh, it does. It's not going to do any harm. Probably. Well, unless it unless you did some gray hat stuff. That that's another thing. So you don't may, maybe. Your competitor did something really spammy, so you might not necessarily want to do everything that your competitor did. Oh, exactly, yeah. And I guess posting on blogs, you also get some traffic to your store too, kind of as a bonus. Yeah, so that's actually the second thing that I wanted to mention in terms of link building is guest posting in your niche. So that can be like really effective, can get you great backlinks and perhaps even traffic and sales for your product. Mm -hmm. So so since we're talking about guest posting, like how would you go even find... Guest posts, like so. Let's take modern cat example. Where, where did you guys go guest post on? Did you do like cat blogs or like where did you guys find these blogs? There's like a community called myblogguest.com. It's like a community of publishers, blog owners who have blogs and are willing to publish guest posts. So you, so you, this, it, it's a forum and you can like write messages to people there and tell them about your blog post idea and. And they're going to tell you if they're going to let you guys post or not. So most of those blogs there are not like super high quality. They're like okay quality and they're like a great place to start. You're probably not going to find like PR5 um, blogs with 100,000 RSS subscribers on there. But you're going to find like decent quality blogs um, that get you some decent quality backlinks. So that's where I would start. I see. Okay. And so as we move up certainly this ties into like offline marketing too where you can get like a press release and if you get on the news like so how, how does that work out we got like a lot of links on modern cat designs actually from building relationships with bloggers we actually didn't do that much guest posting we got like a lot of backlinks from bloggers who just wrote about our products because they liked them so one thing you could do there is that depends on the product that you sell but uh one thing you could do is you could give away products to bloggers and then they would like and have them like write a review or write a write up about it. And the other thing is just having like a great product. There's a, a guy who has a website that's called bedphones.com. And what he sells is he sells headphones that are comfortable to sleep in. And it's like a great product. So he has like all these backlinks from sites like Gizmodo and Lifehacker because they just somehow found out about his product and they decided to do a write up. Having a great product is definitely going to help in that case. Yeah, and it's, it's a pretty cool idea because when you you need sleeping when you're sleeping you can't roll left or right. Really exactly, worried. it's such a, it's such a cool idea. <laughs> yeah, but but I guess the bigger picture is that if if your product is good, people will link to it naturally. Right. right this is the big picture, kind of. If we back up, a which bit. which I guess goes back to what Dan suggested that um, in some ways you're probably better off designing your own products and doing dropshipping. Although dropshipping obviously can work too, but. Uh, it's just going to be harder to get like links to your product pages organically if you if you're just like uh, one of hundreds of stores who sell Ray-Ban eyeglasses on the internet. Yeah, and I guess it goes into your, if your product's great, it solves a big market problem. I think the resistance you get for doing guest posting or even like getting traffic should be a lot easier too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so I guess the gauge is if you're doing a lot of SEO. Uh, you're doing a lot of marketing, but you're not getting sales. Uh, I mean, I mean, not not to be like you know bashing any business, but maybe you know you need to re. I guess you could reconsider, maybe change your value proposition, or you know tweak your product up a little bit. So, 
Right. Okay. All right. Cool. So, uh, so we talked about. Let's see. Let's just recap here. We talked about link building, uh, on sites, and keyword research. So let's talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about content marketing real quick. Okay. So, yeah. So, what's the general concept of content marketing, and how does it tie into SEO? Okay. Well, so the concept of content marketing is to create create content that's either interesting to your audience or if you have a business-to-business -business website, it might be hard to create that kind of content. Then you would want to create content that's like related to, uh, that's interesting to like a group of people related to uh, your audience. All right. So if I'm so if I'm doing engagement rings, we'll do like top best ten places to propose or <laughs> right. <laughs> so like I, gu I guess if you do engagement rings, you would want to do maybe like I'm sure there are like cool videos on YouTube about like crazy ways that people ended up uh, proposing to each other. Um, you might do write-ups on celebrity weddings and celebrity uh, engagements and celebrity enga engagement rings. Maybe you can create like some ultimate resource guide to how to choose the perfect engagement ring for you. Um, those kind of things. So like creating really, really useful content. That's basically what content marketing is. And you can even branch into like a digital product, like how to choose engagement ring like 10 steps, stuff like that. <laughs> All right, and so I'm looking at the modern cat design sign up. You, you guys use a lot of pictures for your blog. So is there like a, I guess is there, is like, is the word better? Is, I mean, are te is text better, video better, or pictures? Or is there any difference at all? Well, I think a combination is usually good. So I think the modern cat designs blog is not necessarily the best example of uh, an amazing content marketing strategy. We really did get a lot of traction because of uh, our products are cool. So what we did on the cat blog is we posted a couple of pictures occasionally to basically keep the website fresh and to keep the content fresh because, yeah, you, so what Google does not like is a website that never gets updated. What Google likes is websites that get updated regularly. So you can do that by posting stuff to your post. So in the case of modern cat designs, Uploading some cute cat photos was like a relatively easy way to provide fresh content. And then we would go and post those uh, articles on our, post those photos on our Facebook page. And then like people would be, you know, they would like to post. And I mean, it's really easy on that side because everybody loves cute cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so let's just talk about Google updating your site. So how often should you be writing blog posts? I think there's no right or wrong, but you should probably aim at, you know, once a month. So you should have some kind of piece of fresh content again it's just it's like one of out of 200 ranking factors so it's not going to make or break it but it would be really good yeah, but, but i guess the long-term key is to have content that engages your audience that gets them familiar with your brand so they eventually buy from you too so yeah and so tying into seo right. is just kind of a side benefit of the whole content marketing thing okay and so we yeah and so we talked talked a little bit about social so there's right. a saying that google's putting more weighting on um yeah so twitter re retweets and facebook shares are definitely ranking signals but they're not nearly as important as backlinks so it's definitely good you know have people interact socially with your site but uh if i could choose between 50 retweets and one backlink from a niche-related blogger would choose the backlink. I don't think that social will be more important than backlinks anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree because social, the quality of the retweet, there's no way to tell, like, like there's no page rank for social links, right? Um, well, 
I, I guess I guess on Twitter that actually we can determine how influential somebody is. I mean, I mean they see the followers, but I'm not sure if they can determine if followers are fake or real. I guess Google Plus would be the one thing where they have like a better idea of what's going on, but nobody really uses Google Plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I guess social when stuff gets viral, it doesn't necessarily mean that. I guess. Well, I guess, how do I, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I guess I'm trying to say it's very hard to quantify the link quality of something like yeah. that was viral. So right? there's one thing that, that some SEOs think that might happen in the future is, so on Google+, Plus, you can, whenever you post on some blog or you guest post on some site, uh, you can like use your Google+, um, Plus author URL to tell Google that you actually wrote that post. So there are like people who believe that if you are very influential on Google Plus, that this might become like an on-page ranking factor. So that would be like the first uh, on-page way to determine authority is having somebody like so Ren Fishkin might have or Matt Katz might have like dozens or hundreds of thousands of uh, people in their Google Plus circle. So if they would write on your site, that could be like a ranking factor. But that's not the case right now. That's just like something that might happen, like a theory. Yeah. And, and it's, it's worth considering too, because Google would not be dumb and put no waiting on its own social media tool, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I'm sure there's some waiting, but I guess no one's been able to quantify that yet. Right. Huh, interesting. All right. So, um, so what about YouTube? Did you guys do any YouTube marketing or? So one thing that's good for your onsite SEO is if you have videos on your site, just in general, like the better your content is, like the more interactive, the more pictures, videos, the more great content you have, like the better your content is for your user, the better. Um, it's probably also going to be for search engines. We have like YouTube videos on our sites and some people might find us through YouTube or YouTube videos are also ranking relatively well for some keywords. Obviously, since Google owns YouTube, um, they put like a lot of weight on that. So, so you could like create videos, and th those videos might end up ranking. All right. So uh, we talked about a little about content marketing, and one of the big issues with Google is also duplicate content. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Duplicate content issues happen when multiple sites on the internet have same content on them. So, and in terms of e-commerce, that would be, that could very likely happen if you sell products and you take the description that your manufacturer wrote and just paste it onto your site, then there's like a very high chance that other sites on the internet have that same description on there. And basically what Google tries to do is when they find duplicate content, they try to find out like who the original source is and only display one result for that. So there's no foolproof way, first of all, there's no foolproof way for Google to find out who really created that piece of content. And well, the other thing obviously is that if Google thinks that you did not write that and that somebody else is like the original author, your result might not show up. So how that applies to your e-commerce site is that you really want to make sure to write your product description yourself. Even if you're selling another manufacturer's product. Yes. Yeah, so, so then you would be best of rewriting it or maybe, maybe outsource it, maybe hire somebody to rewrite it don't use the default product description because there's probably lots of other people out there who do the same thing. So say my product, I put it into a wholesale distri distribution and my distributors or whoever sells it again for me uses the same content. Who actually gets penalized? Well, that's the thing. Uh, Google will try to find out who the original author is, but there's no foolproof way for them to tell. So it could actually end up hurting. It, it could end up hurting uh, everybody involved. I see. So, so the best route is just to write your own 
content for it so you don't risk getting duplicate again i mean that depends do you sell like 10 products do you sell 100 or do you sell 10,000 products it would be awesome if you could like write a couple hundred words of content that would be really good if you if you sell 10,000 products and you absolutely cannot do that you know write three sentences or so amount of words on site is definitely a ranking factor so you want to have more, as much content as possible but if, if you can't do it write a couple of sentences so this ties in into making your own products too right if you have your own product your own design naturally you have your own story to say about everything you won't have to worry about duplicate content too so right uh, when e-commerce businesses are looking for SEO providers, uh, you know, because there's so many on the internet and so many of them promise, oh, we'll get you rank one, you know, for this keyword within a month, two months. I mean, what are some metrics we should look for when you're looking for an SEO provider? Well, so the first thing is you probably don't want to go with somebody who actually promises you rankings. Nobody can guarantee rankings. You know, you can say it's very likely that I'm going to get those rankings, but you just never know. There are like 200 factors that Google uses to rank your site. So See, you cannot control Google, so you, nobody, nobody can guarantee ranking. So that's like the number one red flag, I would say. The other thing is, I would say like service providers that like um, measure results or promise results in terms of amount or volume of links that might have worked really well a couple of years ago, but now we're really moving towards quality over quantity in terms of links. If you find some like SEO service providers that say, I'm going to get you like 2,000 backlinks per month, um, it might not be the best way to go. It's probably not the best way to go. I, got, I'd, I would rather have like five quality links from like niche related blogs than 2000 spam backlinks. And obviously uh, being an SEO provider is a very service-based business, right? So how do they keep track of where your site is? Like what are some of the things that'll happen when you do hire a SEO provider? Um, wait, I, I didn't get that. I, I guess like, do they give you like reports every month or like what do most of them do? Um, yeah. So. You would usually get monthly reports. And one thing is that I've seen that like a lot, that a lot of SEO consultants, they send those reports at the end of the month and those reports include like 40 keywords. And the thing is that it can be like really hard for consultants to like explain or like show their clients how much progress they're making and that they're working hard. So a lot of consultants just like, you know, take a list of 40 keywords that might only like have 10 searches a month or so and, uh, and then show them, oh, like I'm, I'm working on all those keywords and we're having like huge improvements. Uh, I've, I've, see, I've seen that recently. That does not necessarily mean that your consultant is going to scam you. The thing is, it's just like hard to, it can be very hard for um, like SEO consultants to explain results. So I think the, the number one thing actually would not be rankings, but like traffic from search engines which can be seen in Google Analytics. So if you hire a SEO service provider and you see that your traffic from search engines goes up significantly after a couple of months, then you know he's like doing a good job. And the other thing is obviously rankings. Like, you know, most consultants are probably going to include rankings in your monthly report, but rankings are not like the end all be all. Traffic from search engines is probably more important than rankings. I see. So, so it's just important not to get caught in the tactics, but as long as the strategy is working. And so, and so one of the things we talked about earlier was gray hat and black hat SEO. And so it, are there ways where e-commerce businesses can know which one's being used that might put their business at risk? Probably just ask your SEO guy. I think, um, I'm sure they're like unethically SEO guys out there who, who would say, oh, I'm doing, I'm only doing quality stuff, but I actually spam a lot. But uh, most guys I know, I mean, I know guys who focus on gray hat SEO and 
and they did tell their clients, okay, so we are doing great SEO and I'll, I might be able to get you really incredible rankings really fast, but there's also like a certain chance that this might uh, destroy your site. I would just ask them and I think there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be honest. So you just ask, well, how do you build your links, right? Or what's your, sh- yeah. Yeah, so yeah, ask, ask them like, how do you build your links? What's, what kind of link building do you do? I, I guess that's also one thing, like somebody, somebody who's really secretive, like somebody who's not going to tell you what they're actually going to do for you. Probably also somebody that you want to stay away from because it's probably going to be something shady if he's not going to tell you what uh, he's going to do. Yeah, I see. And, but, but I guess... Well, I guess, would you ever run the risk that if he does tell you, someone else might do that strategy? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, It's a tough thing, but especially when you're doing great SEO where, you know, it's like all about like finding new tactics to currently rank. I understand that like people are a bit hesitant of sharing their strategies with everybody. But uh, I think if somebody's like interested in, you know, hiring you, you should be open and maybe there's like one secret so that you want to keep to yourself, but you should be able like to tell like in general in general what, what is going on. Yeah, I see. Yeah, And so I, I know most e-commerce businesses won't do Grey Hat, but I just want to highlight what Grey Hat kind of, ha- how it kind of happens. So if anyone does have this happen to them, they know this is like a red flag to look out for. So that's why I kind of asked you. So yeah, but it makes sense because every SEO person has their own strategy. And, and I guess in some ways, if everyone's doing the same thing, you're not going to get better results too, right? So... I guess every SEO provider kind of wants to have his own edge, but as far as how much they can disclose how they do it, uh, that's kind of up to them. But at least there should be some level of transparency into how they build their links. Okay, cool. And I, I believe you are doing your own SEO consulting now. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes, sure. So I just started. Um, so I'm not an in-house SEO anymore. I moved on to do consulting a couple of months ago. And yeah, I basically do SEO consulting. So that's... or I think the better term would be like management and execution of SEO campaigns, mostly for e-commerce sites. Um, and that basically includes like everything from like keyword research to like strategy development, content creation, link building. It's like a, it's basically like a hands-off uh, SEO solution. Yeah, it's basically everything we just talked about right now. <laughs> exactly. And by, by, by the way, that's one thing that I wanted to mention too. Um, when you look for an SEO SEO, really want to like define uh, what he's actually going to do for you. Content is becoming more and more important. And again, that depends on your site. But uh, Eric from Be- uh, bedphones.com that I mentioned earlier on the call, um, I was looking at his site the other day and he has like amazing backlinks, but he has barely any content. So he needs like some content to rank, like landing pages to rank for keywords and stuff like that. So you want to make sure when you talk to a guy that you're thinking of hiring for SEO that you like define what is he going to do? Is he going to do just like technically like site architecture? Is he going to build links? Is he going to put content on your site? What, exa- what exactly is he going to do? You want to make sure that you know what the actual deal is and what he's going to do. I see. So, so it's important to understand how SEO works so you can just hand it off to someone and outsource and assume it works. Right. I guess how should SEO tie into the overall marketing strategy of a business? Like how did you see it work at Modern Cat Designs? Because SEO is just one channel, right? But how does it fit into the whole overall picture? Okay. Well, I think it really depends on your niche and your products. When you have like a B2P site and, you know, you're selling products to businesses, again, it depends on your product. But it seems that SEO, for like a lot of B2P sites also that I worked on for Dan, SEO was like a really important part, SEO and PPC. Well, for example, the Modern Cat Designs consumer brand 
Uh, SEO is still important, but we can easily get like as much or maybe even more traction like using social media and other inbound marketing channels. So SEO is definitely not like the end all be all. It depends on your site. Um, usually for most e-commerce sites, SEO is probably important. I'm sure there are like exceptions out there where it doesn't make any sense at all to do SEO beyond the basics. I would say for most sites it's important, but it's definitely not the end all be all. Like I said, you want to probably have uh, Google AdWords advertising. You should probably do content marketing. Um, you should be, you should have like a Facebook page. Um, there's like all kinds of things. All right, David. Well, I think that's it. So thanks for coming on the show. And you guys can also find more about David at shoppingcartlabs.com. And we'll see you guys next week. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.